don't see a lot of blockbuster trades that take place in the playoffs, especially the week just prior to the Super Bowl, but we may have seen one of the most epic trades in NFL history in a couple days ago, and it bears a lot of conversation. Have two number one overall picks ever been traded in a trade? I'm not really sure if that's the case or not, but it just happened, folks. Matt Stafford was traded for Jared Goff, who for some reason I always want to call Matt Goff, and I'm not even really sure why. But basically what happened is the Rams paid a king's ransom to get a guy that is six years older and... Gave up two first-round picks and then threw in a third just to take in their bust quarterback's contract. So I know we have some varying opinions on this trade and how it went down. So let's talk it out, folks. The Jared Goff-Matt Stafford trade. Will we be talking about this years from now as a success or is this a massive overpayment? You know, it's funny. Maybe uh, in your head you've been maybe you've been foreshadowing the. Uh um, the, the trade with the, uh, the Matthew Goff number there. Uh, maybe just, you're just uh, predicting things. You just don't realize it. <laughs> I mean, too hefty in my eyes. When you're, when you're bringing that many round, that first round picks for somebody at Stafford's age, I get it's a win right now scenario, but what are the Rams planning to do in the future? I mean, it seems like they're screwing themselves down the line, and I don't know how they'll recover from that. So I think it's very much so an all-in move. We're going to, you know, we we went out and got Jalen Ramsey. We traded two first-round picks for him. We have Aaron Donald, who we think is the best maybe player in the league, if not the best defensive player. Um, they have some some good skill position players, right? Like their tight ends definitely can contribute. Robert Woods, Cooper Cup. Um, and both, then, both under contract for a couple of years, too. Yeah, so, so so they're like, well, we have, you know, the majority of what we want to do. Their offensive line actually took a big jump from what it was last year. They were much better this year, especially running the ball. Um, but they may or may not be able to keep Andrew Whitworth, who is a key part of that offense. So uh, what, what, let's, let's level set for our listeners, just in case you are living under a rock and you don't know what happened in this trade. Uh, the Rams sent two first-round picks uh, to the Lions, which already sounds steep. Uh, they traded down. They got a guy. They traded their number one overall pick, Goff, for Stafford. And allegedly, and I'm not even 100% if, if this is confirmed or not, but they threw in a third rounder literally just so the Lions would take Goff. They only wanted Stafford to begin the trade. And then they threw in a third rounder just so that the Lions would take on Goff's massive contract. And that third round picks for this year, 2021 is what it says right here. So for me, Steep price. The, the thing about that is I'm like, well, shit, if that's all it costs to take on Jared Goff as a third round pick, that's actually not that bad. The more surprising element, I thought more of that we're paying two firsts was I thought they were being like, hey, we're going to pay you a first to take Goff off our hands. Right. And then the kicker was the third. But that actually makes it more interesting in terms of like just how bad their valuation of Goff is on the other side. This is, well, I guess one of the few like, big, big-time trades that I actually do see it as a win-win on both sides. Um, you know, As we know, like first-round picks aren't guaranteed to be successes, and I'm sure a lot of people thought two first-rounders for Jalen Ramsey was steep. Obviously, this is a bigger price. Um, 
we're actually going to see how good Matthew Stafford actually is. We know he can throw the ball. We know he can play from behind. We know he's clutch in clutch moments. But now that he's not going to have to carry the team, like we're talking about, you know, going from the Lions to uh, a number one, de- you know, a potential number one defense with a, his, all the weapons he could dream of. He's got more weapons this year, I think, than the last 10 years combined. So, yeah, it's it's steep. But, you know, if, if you're potentially looking at giving up your 30, 31, 32 picks for the next couple of years, there's good value in that. Now, obviously, Stafford's got a little bit of some, some injury history, but we know he is tough as balls, right? He's so tough. Yeah, he almost died a couple of times, right? Yeah. Um, and, and obviously, Detroit's not where they want to be. They've got a lot of rebuilding to do. So, A, past just the, the draft capital, which is beneficial – they, they can actually dump uh, golf after, I think, uh, two years. Two, two years. They can dump him just and not take on any more money. So uh, they're actually paying. The Rams are paying some of the, uh, um, with the extra first round to dump some of that salary. And that's just kind of their their cost of doing business there. Right, right, yeah. I mean, I would trade absolutely a, a first round pick for Matt Stafford at this point if I'm a team that feels that they're close. So that to me isn't that big. The extra first, the extra third, that's where you start getting into the high cost of it um the thing about golf is though he he has moments right like he looks pretty good sometimes especially when sean mcveigh is essentially just like hey listen you got robber over here you got whatever like basically before the play if you imagine him doing that with matt stafford when is the first time that matt stafford actually played with a guy that we consider to be a good offensive coach I mean, it's definitely been a long time, but Stafford's proven time and time again, too, with all the different offensive coordinators that he's had to be successful. So I do think he'll fit well into the system. But again, for a franchise to go all in like that, it's not like this is something that they haven't done in the past. Like you said, trading for Jalen Ramsey. I mean, they're they're giving up on a lot of stuff. And even though first-round picks aren't guaranteed, you can those use those to leverage for other trades if you want to for more guaranteed free agents that are younger and maybe some other teams that they don't need, you know, or they don't want. Like a guy, uh, who was it, Ngakwe for the Jags, that they got him for a freaking steal. from. Um, where did he go? Um, Ravens. The Ravens. They got him for a steal. I mean, to get rid of your draft capital like that, to me, it's just irresponsible as a franchise. But, hey, if you get a Super Bowl, I guess it's worth it in the end. Here's my problem with the trade. Um, They just traded for Jalen Ramsey last year. They give up two first-round picks for that. So now they give up two more. So they will not draft in the first round until 2024. 2024. That is a long, long time away. So if Stafford gets hurt, and by the way, I'll admit it, I was definitely wrong about Stafford's injury history. Besides last year, he's actually been ridiculously consistent. My problem with that, though, is that he played injured this year almost all season, and it was clear he wasn't as effective as he needs to be. My point is, if Stafford even gets dinged up, they lose this trade. That's the thing. They need all of Stafford. And and my, my, my point the whole week is, I love the trade on paper, when you don't know about the terms, yeah, switching Stafford for Goff, 100%. It's the right move. You're upgrading. Goff is never going to be the guy. I hate Goff more than anybody. I think that guy, I think he's, honestly, I think he's I think he's a complete bust. Pe- people would argue, oh, he's, he's not a bust. Like, he went to the Super Bowl. Yeah, Trent Dilfer's gone to the Super Bowl. Doesn't make him a great quarterback. Oh, he passed for, you know, 32 touchdowns one year. He's a great player. Yeah, dude. Kirk Cousins just passed for 35 this year. Doesn't make him a great player. It means he was in a great system. Sean McVay is the best offensive system in the NFL. So what happens with Stafford when he goes to this system? Could it explode? Could this be a huge success? Yes. But if there's just 
one nick in it. If Stafford just gets hurt or anything happens, like what, what's the Aaron Donald? He's been playing it at such a high level. What if Aaron Donald falls off next year and is all of a sudden not Aaron Donald anymore? What if Jalen Ramsey gets an injury? My point is they're not going to be able to rebuild in the coming years, and so they're fucked. They, they're reliant on these like pillars that they have on this team, and if any of these guys go down, they're screwed. I love aggression. I think it was too aggressive. And my, my, my biggest thing is I think they could have gotten him for less. It's clear they could have. Without giving up golf? Yeah, if you hold on to golf, you definitely can get him for less. But then you can't afford it. Right. The cap hit is, in terms of making the money work, like that's where it comes into question a little bit. And even in trading golf, they're eating some dead cap money. What they'll need to do in order to make that work is, I wouldn't be surprised to see Matt Stafford sign an extension where some of that bonus money gets kicked up to the front. He takes a lower base salary for the first couple of years so that they're able to make that trade work in terms of the cap hit. Um, well, well the, the Rams don't have his cap hit. They have Goffs. No, I, I know, but I'm saying that'll free – because he still has a contract, so that'll free up some money because, listen, if they want Matt Stafford, they want him for more than two years. Like, yeah, that's all he's got left. So you might as well get that extension out of the way, get yourself some cap room so that you're able to do what you need to do. The one thing that does benefit them in terms of having all these super high – you know, the, these guys that they're paying a lot of money for and not having first-round draft picks is – First round draft picks wind up costing the most in terms of your cap hit. So you're kind of eliminating that problem, I guess. But it, it's it's kind of a weird thing to do. Less need, he was super cryptic and in going into the whole thing. And then all of a sudden, boom, there's the trade. It's like, oh, yeah, I don't know. We don't, we're not going to comment on Jared Goff's uh, yeah, it, uh, it was, uh, was future with the team. And then it's like a day later, yeah, boom, was, he's gone. Say, it was a day or two. And he's like, well, he's definitely on our team for now. Yeah. Like, that's all we can say. We don't know about the future. Then it's like if their Let, phone vibrates like yeah. four seconds Let, later, oh, he's been traded. I, I am curious about you guys' thoughts. In terms of fantasy, where does this put Matt Stafford? Because if you go to an offense like that and he does stay healthy, I mean, if Jared Goff is like, you know, he's a decent quarterback, what can a guy like Stafford actually do in a system like that? I'm so glad that you brought it up because this is something I really wanted to talk about. Um, obviously, we know that the the system, everything, there's potential for a all-pro, easy pro bowler, uh, MVP talks, but man, that defense is just so good. I think that's where it limits that. So I think the fan and the running of, game, yeah, they want to run the ball. They, they want to, man. Um, so the fan, I think the fantasy value is a little bit less. Um, but but he's 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 definitely going to be a Pro Bowler in my book. Uh, I, I think know, he's more injury. efficient. Stafford becomes more efficient, less volume dependent. Well, yeah, well, definitely. But and also we know that that. At, with the run, they like to do a lot of uh, play action, get him on the move, and we know that that's where he excels. Shit, he he excelled uh, with play actions with no run game. Uh, so he there's the sky is truthfully the limit. And honestly, with that that type of defense, there's actually potential for this team like being considered in the you know the all time greats in the top ten type of type of uh, skill sets. I like on both sides of the ball. So the the sky's really. Uh, the limit there. If, if you're looking for Stafford's ceiling, look no further than Jared Goff in 2018. 32 touchdowns and 12 interceptions. Well, is, is does anybody doubt this? I mean, that, I think Stafford may, may throw fewer interceptions if he if he in that number, so he could be a little bit more efficient in terms of that. Um, here's a question for you in regards to that: Where did Goff finish the year in fantasy that year? Do you happen to have that on hand? Where did he finish? In the it, that season, do you know where he finished? Oh, like touchdown wise? No, it, in terms of total fantasy production. Oh, the I, I, I don't know. I know he went to the Super Bowl that year. Well, yeah, yeah. And remember that was uh, 
Uh, that was Todd Gurley's MVP, the caliber year. And I, honestly, I think Cam Akers is uh, he's he's got the potential to have put up those type of numbers. Unless uh, Goose is listening, then you should definitely drop him. But um, <laughs> um, yeah, this could easily be a forty-plus touchdown performance with uh, you know missing a few fourth quarters this season. So again, depending on the defense though, and what they do to the to the opponent's offense, if they're holding guys. To, you know, to low amounts, they had a three-headed monster in the running game, really. Guys that could rotate through. Sometimes Daryl Henderson would have a bad game. Then you had Malcolm Brown come on the scene, and he would have a good game. And I think they could rotate that where you saw Cam Akers come on at the very end in the playoff. I mean, he looked great. If, Cam if, Akers looked great when he came back if, from that injury. If he, did, if he didn't solidify in like, like his position as the ace running back, then there's definitely something going wrong. Man, he, he was carrying, he carried him through Seattle. He is by far the most talented With, back without, in, in that, in that, on that team. Class. Um, yeah, most likely very much so in that respect as well. I mean, he was one of the number, like, he was the number one running back coming out of high school, He's and he's up there in terms of, like, overall production for, like, it's crazy. One of the things that, if you listen to some college football podcasts where they talk about recruiting, they're like, they want to skew five stars to being guys that are, like, really going to go in the first round. Running backs are almost not even going in the first round nowadays, so it's almost, like, should knock them down. But in terms of, like, where they're ranked and stuff, Najee Harris and Cam Akers were bang bang right there, one two in that in that uh, high school recruiting class. So, and there was like some sites that had each, each one ahead, but he he's an absolute stud. He said, "Do it all back." We've seen what we can do in the run. We've seen what we can do. Well, guys, in the pass. Let, let's 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 get off other people's sack and let's let's redirect exactly where we we were originally talking, which is we're talking about Matt Stafford right now. And I do want to play devil's advocate for a second. Because people act like Matt Stafford has never had a lot of help. And in terms of coaching, you're 100% right in terms, in terms of building a team around him. But Matt Stafford did have arguably the greatest wide receiver of all time for a number of years. And his best seasons of note, one season he in 2011, he passed for 41 touchdowns. In 2015, he passed for 32 touchdowns. Besides that, he's never passed for over 30 touchdowns. So... I don't agree with this, and I don't believe this, but is everyone just assumes that Matt Stafford is this hidden gem that's been kind of kept secret because he's playing for this terrible franchise. I've seen this guy play a lot of games. I'm a Vikings fan. I've seen him look truly great at times, a lot of times. He's really good in the fourth quarter. He's very clutch when it matters, but I've also seen him not look good, especially this year. Vikings played him twice. He looked terrible in both performances. So I got to ask you guys: Is Matt Stafford overrated? Devil's advocate. I'm I'm always going to say he's underrated. Uh, he he's performed, you know. But what what do you think the market value is for him? Like, like what do you think the league ranks him? Is is he he's not a top five player, right? You're talking about player, position player. He's not a top five quarterback. Top yeah. five quarterback. Yeah. Would anybody rank him in the top five? Um. I mean, I, th- I think there, there's going to be different discussion. I, I, I don't top. have a problem with him being there. Uh, well, well, who give would he, give who me would your top down? five. Well, you're going to have Mahomes and Stafford. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you, you see what I'm saying? Like, so um, there aren't – I've looked back, and there aren't a lot of cases where huge quarterback talents like this are traded. So it's hard to know what the market value is for this guy. If he's a top five talent, then I agree that this price was worth it. Deshaun Watson, people are talking like four first-rounders for this guy, potentially. And I think that's worth it because Deshaun Watson truly is a first-round. I think he's he's 100% a bona fide top-five guy. But Matt Stafford, I think he's a really, really good player. I don't think he's a great player. 
So I, I'm just I'm just wondering if if possibly the Rams possibly overrated how good he can potentially well, can be. Can he be great in this system? I think he can. Yeah. I think he can elevate when you see him throwing 41 touchdowns. Granted, he has Calvin Johnson, but guess what? Everybody knew the ball was going to Calvin Johnson. He just he had a freak of a guy, but he was putting balls on a dime for him. But this is what I was just looking up. It was interesting to see. Matt Stafford has been sacked 385 times. A lot of hits. He's played 165 games, so it's 2.3 sacks per game. That's that is terrible, dude. Add, like, adding he hits, been, adding pressures. And, and to, to his record, or to his, uh, you know, kudos to him as far as being injured, you know, not playing through all these injuries, getting sacked that many times, and putting up those kind of numbers and seasons. I mean, I think he can be great with McVay, but I just still think it's too steep of a price. Yeah, I, I think my my only uh, I guess hesitation or concern with him is uh, maybe like the deer in the headlights kind of thing, where, where he's dropping back and he actually has a play action where people are sucking up for fans it. Fans are actually well, there. What? Well, fans are there <laughs> cheering for you and not against you. Like he, he might not know what to do with extra time in the pocket with actual like more than one playmaker on offense. Uh, I'm sure he'll figure it out because that's what he's done for the last decade. But um, I'm, I'm, I'm I mean, if you want to talk about deer in the headlights, look at the guy he was just traded for. Yeah. Like Jared oh, my Goff gosh. <laughs> Big, lanky, just never seen that guy look comfortable in the pocket. Uh, never a believer in Goff. Uh, I, I thought that that was – I really liked Carson Wentz at number two in that draft, but a lot of people doubted Goff, and I, myself included. And the dude – he will never be a great quarterback. I I I know that I know that the Rams made that determination. I think it was the right determination. But why not wait a little bit longer for Stafford? The Lions would not have pulled the trigger if they did not think that that was one hundred percent the best offer that they were going to get. So here's what I think: Les Snead is a bit impulsive, yeah, right? So I sure. think that's what it comes down to. Les Snead traded a bunch of picks to get Sam Bradford previously. Then he trades picks to get Jared Goff. Then he trades picks to get he, – he does not necessarily value the picks. He's, he'd rather go get this player that he thinks is really good, right? He's very, he's very very impulsive in terms of that kind of thing, and we've seen him do trades for, you know, Jalen Ramsey, et cetera. Um, but also, uh, Les Snead is just not, not – like, he's not that great a GM in general. Like, he's, he's really not. He's just squandered say, how's plenty, he of, a job? plenty of opportunities. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> Sam Bradford, Jared Goff, uh, track record's not he, looking he, so good. He picked Sean McVay. That's, that's the reason he yep. still has a job. Yeah, but, but sometimes it's you – know, I'd rather have someone, like, be wrong, like, you know, be, be aggressive, try and make something happen instead of someone just coasting. You know, sure, if, like, sure. But then fuck up, dude, 100 mile an hour. But he also handed Jared Goff – a really fat contract that he didn't need to do. He could have waited another two years. He, he could have Easily. been, but, but honestly, that's really been the trend for the last handful of years. Like, let's sign him. Let's make the splash. Let's, but, and I think it's a mistake. It's, when, I, I agree. When you're for number one overall pick, you're not even unsatisfied with your contract. That's why that contract was so bad. And and they tied him up right after his best season. Like, yeah. you thought he was going to get better than this? Even, even during that Super Bowl run, I looked at that guy and I'm like, did you not watch him in the Super Bowl? How frustrating was that to see that guy? He was so inefficient, so fucking inefficient. And I know Bill Belichick's a genius, and he took away his best weapons, but holy shit, watching Jared Goff just be that inefficient in the Super Bowl in the, in the biggest moment, that should tell you everything you needed to know about Goff going forward. To sign him an extension that offseason was just, ugh. See, see, for me, I think the only time I've actually seen, like, someone get a huge extension before their contract, specifically their rookie contract was up. It's only one time where I've been like, all right, I get it. It makes sense. And and you guys know, I love CMC, but that's not even close to it. Mahomes is the only one that you can make the, you can make the, the reason for making that type of extension on the rookie contract early. 
Russell Wilson. That that was you had to do it at that point when they paid him, and I think that worked out. Yeah, but um, I, I, I'm I just sorry. I meant to talk about like the first round picks, like where you get the extra year. Yeah, and, and what, let's be clear: Russell Wilson didn't get the biggest contract in NFL history. Yeah, so like we're talking these massive he, extensions. He was uh, before last season; he was the highest played player in the but league. But on his uh, his first extension, I don't think so. No, his, his first contract with the with the Seahawks. I mean, let's face it: Russell Wilson was kind of. But we're we're getting off track. Let's, yeah, but let's, go, let's go back to the trade and what we're talking about this. We knew that this offseason was going to be a quarterback carousel, right? That's been everybody's talk. Holy crap. The amount of guys that could be changing teams this offseason is going to be insane. Yeah. And this was the first deal of the offseason. For it to be such a steep price, it, it, to me, that's that's wild, man. You, impatience. I, very, very impatient. And for Matt Stafford, so does that really, like, does Sean McVay really think Matt Stafford's the best option? That's what he wanted to pay that big of a price for? When you could have made some different options, maybe at a better price. I think you could have got Stafford at a better price. But to do that for two picks, it, to me, again, it, it set the president way too high, the bar too high. So now Deshaun Watson, what are you going to give up for him? Whoa. First, or first-round first, picks? Guys, there's something with that's not being factored into these numbers, and I, I don't think you can actually put a number on it. But remember, the Rams are getting a guy who's married is not going to pipe Sean McVay's good chick. So, <laughs> you know, and, and, I've, and sometimes it's just, you know, a cleansing. It's a, it's a pain, steep, whatever. But, yeah, uh, so Marcus is referring to a rumor that was actually put out right after the trade, and there seems to be some weight to the rumor, but um, apparently there's a leaked text message from Matt, uh, from Jared Goff, what I always want to call him, Matt Goff, um, where, where he, in a group text with a bunch of different Rams players, uh, all of a sudden, um, Sean McVay's girlfriend gets brought up, and uh, Jared Goff says, and I quote, I would pipe Sean's girlfriend. You didn't hear about that? I'd pipe her, too. Yeah. That's the first time I've heard <laughs> well, that. Well, Holy well, shit. Well, let's be real. Um, I actually almost wrote an article about it, uh, but literally, she's like a supermodel. So if, if if that if that's the reason they traded him, like you're dating a perfect ten, yeah, literally everyone on your team wants to pipe your girlfriend. Every yeah, single one city. of them. Yeah, but these things go unsaid. That's man. That's man law right there, especially with your boss. Let's be real, man. Like that's he is your boss at the end of the day. That's your coach. You're gonna say some shit like that. I might kick your ass out of town too, especially if you're not even that good at the at the uh, price that we're saying that Goff is at with his contract. Yeah, get the fuck out of town and give me Maddie Stafford over here. Enjoy yeah. Detroit, bitch. Yeah, because you know Matt Stafford isn't piping anybody. No, dude. I've seen that face. <laughs> <laughs> Jerry Goff's not piping his wife either. There's no chance she would go near him. Come on, that now. little scrawny, hey, it's just a matter of scrawny's pipsqueak. I love Jared Goff and in, in uh, Notebook. <laughs> um. Anyways, so uh, we talked about Deshaun Watson a little bit, and I want to I want to go there for a second. And trust me, we got two Tampa fans here. We are definitely going to talk some Super Bowl, but these quarterback intricacies are too interesting. We got to talk about them right now. Deshaun Watson. There are apparently already multiple uh, trades on the table for Deshaun Watson right now. The Panthers and Oakland have already actually allegedly put out trades. The Panthers one I heard is confirmed which is two first-rounders, Teddy Bridgewater, and, like, a handful of, like... No, I'm sorry, three first-rounders, and Teddy Bridgewater, and, like, a second-rounder. So, if you're Houston, what do you you think about that trade? And then Oakland, uh, allegedly, is also offering Derek Carr and, like, three first-rounders. So, three first-rounders appears to be the absolute floor. And a lot of these teams already have decent quarterbacks. So, things are getting really weird with the Deshaun Watson sweepstakes. 
And I think it's merited because I, I truly believe Deshaun Watson is the third best quarterback in the league, like hard and fast. That's the guy. If, if, if you were drafting right now, Based on age, that's the third guy you take in the draft. Dude, there's no quarterback who could have done what he did this year after you lose MVP. DeAndre Hopkins. Like yep. Losing him like that, your number one wide out. And then Will Fuller didn't even get to play the rest of the year. He yeah. got suspended for PEDs yeah. or something, some type of substance issue. And he still led the league in passing yards. It's absolutely insane, it's man. Free, and, I, I, hate, I hate the passing yards. Uh, number because when you're getting blown out, the yards are going to rack up, i.e. Dak Prescott, who's also super overrated. But that, that anyone who tries to argue, like, how fantastic Deshaun Watson is, yeah, they've been smoking some real good crack. I mean, he's not – it's not like he's just got good. Remember how good he was his rookie year? Holy shit, dude. The guy, the guy was averaging three touchdowns a game his fantastic. first, like, five games. He was fucking ridiculous. Towards ACL, obviously, but, dude, came back strong. And then the, the, the game that made me respect Deshaun Watson more than anything was that Bill's – playoff win one of the best performances and, and that's what you want to see out of a guy right you want to see a guy that can do that in the big moment we know he he's the alabama slayer right he went up against fucking uh, alabama and all those performances uh, he is the guy he's kind of the guy that i thought Jameis winston would be and never kind of panned out to be um but dude deshaun watson's the real deal and you know everything you need to know about deshaun watson he can win in the big moment he can he can be the guy the, the catalyst in your team uh, he's a good leader. He's a good dude. Bef- Great dude. Bef- before all this shit went down, you never heard anything about Deshaun Watson. And now, all of a sudden, it's like, oh, like you're not consulting your franchise player about all these moves? I'd be pissed off, too. Well, Except for all he does is for charity. He is giving all the time. Yeah. Well, man, Dabo Sweeney called him the Michael Jordan of football, and there was a reason for it. And Dabo's a winner, just like we're talking about Alabama. But just to back up the yard stats, he had a 70% completion rating, 33 touchdowns, seven interceptions with a 112.4 quarterback rating. I don't care who you are. If you're throwing the ball that many times, you're not doing it that efficiently if you're not in the top tier. And I agree with you, Drew, top three. 100% well, in the league. The interceptions are telling, right? Because he's you're right about garbage time, but garbage time with garbage time also comes interceptions. You yeah, know, you're, you're flinging the, the rock a lot. Prevent. The, yeah. the teams in prevent, sure. too. They know you're passing the ball, so now the DNs are pinning their ears back, rushing their hardest at you. Yep. You're under your most pressure, and you have your most guys in coverage, and you're still putting it in there? It's insane, man. I, and the team that, to me, that is, I haven't heard anything from it, but I think should be going hard after this, is the Miami Dolphins should be making the move for Deshaun Watson right now. Tua, he showed enough in his first little year to be able to, hey, maybe he could do something for us at the Texans. And they have the draft capital to be able to, I think, maybe even break through the floor and make it four first-round picks, really, if they wanted to. And if I'm the Dolphins and I'm Flores, I make the freaking move, man. Oh, yeah. 100%. I mean, I, I think that's absolutely definitely to me. The top two teams that have the capital that you would want to see are the Jets and and the Dolphins. So, I mean, we could all throw a quarterback in. The Jets could throw in Darnold. The Dolphins could throw in Tua. The Panthers are throwing in Teddy Bridgewater. The Raiders are throwing in Derek Carr. So, you know, that's kind of a wash in terms of you pick your poison. What do you want to do? Uh, obviously, Derek Carr is going to cost the most, going to be the most um, expensive in terms of that. But then it's like, all right, well, the Jets are also picking second. The Dolphins are picking third. The Panthers are a little bit further behind. I think than the, the Panthers are a wash. I think their trade is not even close to on the table, the especially day. with Bridgewater backing it up. I don't even think I, that's probably why it's the only one confirmed, but I don't even think it comes close to what McNair and the Texans are going to want. No offense to Teddy. I know he had a good a good year this last year, but he's also in that uh, Brady system now. He's a game manager. With Matt Rule, and he did well. And even without CMC, 
but not enough for me if I'm McNair and the Texans. Can, can we just talk for a second? Uh, let's just backtrack just a, just a cunt here. Imagine him going to the Raiders. I love the Raiders option, man. They they have they have the like. I don't uh, wish John Gruden on any young quarterback. Uh, I don't think Deshaun wants John Gruden. I, 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 I would, I'm sorry. I would love to, I, I'd love to see it. They, they've got the, they got the skill sets out there for him. Uh, obviously, they I, I'm sure they want to go to the NFC if possible, or just you know not maybe not Oakland, but or Vegas. But could you imagine seeing Watson, Mahomes, and uh, Herbert playing each other twice a year? Like, <laughs> oh man, for, fireworks! For, for any listeners that are just now t- tuning in for the first time, Marcus has a couple soft spots, and the Raiders appear to be one of them for oh, whatever yeah. reason. He loves because they the play Raiders. in Vegas. <laughs> yeah, I mean, dude, I I can't wait to go to my first Vegas game. I I promise you, with everything that I uh, own, I will be at the first Steelers Raiders game. But all right, guys, the whole week we went a almost a solid thirty minutes on just quarterback trades so we do need to move on uh we got a i don't know if i'd call it a big game it's okay like it's pretty big like in turn in the context of games like out there super bowl i'd i'd put it top 10 so uh we got a pretty big game this sunday uh, this is a tampa based podcast um i heard that there's going to be a tampa team that's going to be in attendance however they will not be firing the cannons by the way Will not be firing the cannons. Bullshit. Someone is 100% going to fire it. <laughs> well, they, they, they I, I, fire them when they come out. Uh, yeah, uh, they're going to fire before the game. Yes. They're not going to be firing them during the game. Someone is going yeah. to get in trouble for firing the cannons when the Bucks score a touchdown. Fight them cannons. I, I guarantee it. Someone's going to go to jail for it. Brady but. leads a fourth quarter comeback at the end of the game. The cannon's going off. Oh, yeah, 100%. <laughs> You're talking about one of the biggest Bucks fans ever. I mean, I was telling some people, like, I would rather them just use it as a neutral tool. Hey, if the Kansas City Chiefs score a touchdown yeah, or they score a field the goal, cannons. fire those things, man. I want them to showcase Raymond James Stadium. I want people to come down there and see it because it is one of the coolest stadiums in the entire nation, in my opinion. Do I have it queued up, maybe? <laughs> All right, no. Nope. <laughs> I, I, I was hoping to – yeah, that, honestly. <laughs> uh, I was hoping I had fire them cannons uh, from Miguel Mendor queued up, but I do not. <laughs> but the first home game Super Bowl, fucking wild. And there is so much going on this week. Um, the Chiefs are very likely going to be without their two tackles. So that is huge if you're a quarterback playing against one of the best defensive fronts in all of the NFL. Um like you mentioned in your article today, they may also be without their center and potentially one of their best wide receivers because they went to get a fucking haircut and the guy that cut their hair now has COVID. So there are so many things out there that could potentially uh, rock this Super Bowl. And uh, Tarde, uh, Duvernay Tardif, their offensive guard for last year. That's not a real person. That's his last name. Um, he's a doctor and he also is a guard. Uh but yeah, he, he, he decided to opt out for COVID, so he opted out. They brought in uh, Kaleche Osemele, who's a, who was a really good player and was one of the big key... Is op- it a Chiefs guy? Yeah, he yeah. was an offensive guard. He used to be the Raiders. Um, who is all... Well, he was with the Raiders. He was with the Ravens, too. He's out now. Um, so they're actually down to, like, their third-string guard already. Then now you got both tackles out, potentially your center out. And it's, it's confirmed get- on the two tackles. So yeah. so um, it, Fisher it, tore his Achilles it is getting- last week. So he's completely out. And Schwartz has been out since uh, he's been on IR with a back injury. So, so I'm going to tell you, I can guarantee one thing. Like if there's an, what's the over under for Chiefs rushing yards in this game? Because I'm taking the under on that. Like uh, they're not going to run the ball at Vegas all. Vegas has definitely already adjusted. It's four. 
Four yards. <laughs> yeah, I'll take the under. I take the under on that, man. Well, and after you saw what the Bucks D line did to the Packers too, they sacked Aaron Rodgers five times, man. Shaq Barrett three sacks, JPP two, and now if you potentially have a positive COVID test on your center, you're down to your third string guard. It's not just the ends that are licking their chops now. The Bucks just got Vita Vea back, and he was maybe 80 percent last week. He got some game time in him now and some time to two, heal before the weeks. Super Bowl. And you have Sue as well. Man, this is a recipe for the Bucks to learn from that first game when Tyreek Hill goes off for 200 fucking yards in the first in the quarter. First quarter. How, how's Antonio Brown looking? Is, is he going to be playing or no? He, he's, he's definitely questionable. I, I, I expect anybody Keep him out. I expect anybody to play. There's there, like if you, if you have a chance of walking, I, I'm trying to find a way to suit up. Like How, how pumped, uh, obviously assuming Tampa wins, who I'm very much leaning towards, um, I'd actually be really pumped to see Sue win a Super Bowl, man. Uh, I've always loved the guy. I don't care what people call him with being dirty. That's the kind of asshole I want. That's why you like him. I well, love him. Well, man. listen, the guy was stuck in Detroit. Do you blame him? He's probably yeah. pissed off at the entire world. This will be his second Super Bowl that he's actually played in. He's because he did play in the Super Bowl with the Rams mm-hmm. um, when he was playing next to Aaron Donald. But by the way, that's another thing about Stafford. How many top five picks did that guy have playing with him? And Never really material. A lot, but they're bad. Yeah, but how many of them were bust? Yeah, yeah, yeah a lot. <laughs> how many of them wide were? receivers? Charles Rogers and Roy Mike Williams. Williams Roy Williams. Roy Williams. Well, that, that Rogers was, was before, before time, Stafford, both of them. but anyways, yeah, both they, of them. <laughs> shit, I mean, they just took a CUDA. I mean, they just, they're just they they've been terrible at drafting. But anyways, I, I want Sue to win it, man. I, I I want him to score a touchdown. I want him to kick someone in the face. I don't I don't give a <laughs> shit, man. I, I, I want to see some big man celebrations. Um, you know, I'm rooting for him to put on a show. Well, you were talking about Antonio Brown. He he was Fuck limited participant in practice, so he's limited. Levante David was limited with a hamstring. But these are the two biggest injuries that are really standing out and, and worrying me as a Bucks fan is Jordan Whitehead and Antoine Oof. Winfield Jr. Wow, they're both playing. And, and, but I believe they're both going to play uh, as a limited participant. It does make me a little bit more optimistic. But, man, those two guys, they are so solid in our secondary. And I love Mike Edwards. Don't get me wrong. He filled the gap with Antoine being out just in the NFC Championship, and he played lights out. It was awesome to see him fill that role. But having Antoine Winfield there, it is a game-changer, man. The guy sacking the quarterback, strip fumble on Jared Cook in the Saints game, which completely turned the tide. We need him out there on the field. Yep. I think Winfield and uh, I know Whitehead for sure. I think they're both dealing with, like, uh, shoulder injuries, sprains, separations. Ankle for Winfield and shoulder uh, for Whitehead. Oh, yeah. Let me tell you how big of a needle. Uh, I think it's a dirt all, dirt. So one of those alls. So they're taking that damn shoot shot. Shoot it up, Doc. And shoot they're, they're going to thump. They're, yeah. no, no way. Everybody's playing. Shit. Hell yeah. Hey, so who do you think Vegas wants to win this game? Because that'll Tampa. that's who will ultimately win this game. They want game. Tampa to win. According to according to some, some people's I belief. think 100% that the NFL does, not because I think Ro, um, Roger Goodell, he can put, let's put the hatred to the side. This will be the first quarterback, the most decorated quarterback in the history of your league while you're the commissioner can be the first and only to ever win a Super Bowl for two different conferences, be the first team to ever host a Super Bowl as a home team and win the Super Bowl. Who else would it fucking be than Tom Brady, man? And it would be great for the league to have that record setting there. I don't think it is good for the league. Uh, Actually, if you look at the numbers, uh, the poll numbers for people that want to win the Super Bowl, it 
the nation is overwhelmingly rooting for the Chiefs. Uh, so I I, 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 the Chiefs I don't think too. it's good for, for the ratings. I don't think it's good for anything. And uh, people, for overwhelming, win, to be honest. people overwhelmingly root against LeBron James, too, to not win championships. But That's I think true. at the end of the day, history will reflect on it, and it will be a much better thing in the long run for the NFL. Of course, right now, they want the young gun, Patrick Mahomes, to take down the GOAT, and he doesn't get to win his 10th Super Bowl. Everybody thinks that's the story right now, but I think down the line, it'd be much better for the for the sport and to look back on it, just like Michael Jordan, too. Same thing, where you have your own thing for Tom Brady that's just like the documentary that they did that went off like the last dance. And that's great for the league. And David Stern kind of understood that as an NBA commissioner, and that's something that I hope Roger Goodell can pick up, but I don't think he did for a while. He hated the Patriots for a long time. You saw him go after Tom Brady for not only four-game suspension, but taking, a was it a first-round pick from the Patriots too, I think, for deflate gate. That was one of the most severe punishments ever in NFL history. Yeah, Goodell has it in for Brady, um, but in the end, it's going to be the Vegas Fat Cats that determine this win. Uh, and I do want to go off a little tangent. Uh, just yesterday, a former Buck, in fact, arguably the NF or the Super Bowl MVP in of the 2003 Super Bowl, uh, has come out and has just straight up said, like, no bullshit. Like, they, they, they tried to give him a bunch of chances to opt out of his stance, and he did not. Mr. Dwight Smith of the 2003 uh, Bucks, who actually had a pick six in that game, was largely one of the reasons that they won it, um, says that the Super Bowl is rigged and that every Super Bowl is rigged. And he actually goes really far and says that they knew every play that Oakland was running. Uh, disregard the fact that the coach of the Bucks wasn't playing his old team and they allegedly ran the exact same system that they did with John Gruden, which was a terrible coaching decision to begin with. But I want you to make your own decisions on this. This is Dwight Smith in the Ronnie and TK Ross podcast. T Crass. T Crass saying that the uh every Super Bowl, not just the Bucks Super Bowl, is rigged. Y'all know all the X's and O's, man. I'm just sitting at home watching. I I I don't like to get into that because I don't believe the game is really decided on the field. So, you know, I don't get into all the X's and O's and talking, man. Uh, like I said, I played in the game. I, I set a Super Bowl record, and we knew every play they was running before the game started. So, hey, who am I to say? Well, tell us about that week leading up to right. the Super Bowl because – that was the big thing. Bill Callahan was the Raiders coach at the time. Obviously, John Gruden had just come over. Tell us about that week of preparation leading up to the game and how it was executed by you guys. I mean, you know, you could know which plays Brown, are coming. And Tim Brown and Jerry Wright come out and say that they made them run Jerry Wright. I mean, Tom, uh, John Gruden's offense. Yes, yeah. yes, yeah. it was his offense, and you guys knew exactly what was coming. Did you know every they, single play? They didn't run that. They didn't run that. They didn't run that offense all year, though. Ain't it odd that you would run it when you're playing against us? So did, did you guys knew, know every play before the ball was snapped? <laughs> I'm just saying, man, it, it, the game ain't decided on the field. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> like I said, I predicted who's going to be in the Super Bowl. It ain't about who has the best players. Football is entertainment. So who, what's the most entertaining Super Bowl? The Bucks in their first one against Patrick Mahomes. Has nothing to do with if these are the best teams because we know that these aren't the best teams. The Bucks are not the best NFC team. So who's the best team in the NFC, in your opinion? Uh, the Green Bay Packers. 
Okay. But the Bucks beat them at Lambeau, though. I mean, the, the Bucks proved it. They went there. They beat Aaron Rodgers at his place. You can say what you want, man. Like I say, the game ain't decided on the field. But the Bucks beat Green Bay like 38-10 to 10 at Raymond James Stadium in the regular season. You're not listening to me, man. You keep saying. The, the, so so how, is it, how is it decided, then, if it's Giants, not on the field? The Giants won the Super Bowl in 2007. We, I, I had two pick sixes. I mean, two. One, I took back 93 yards. Another pick up there in New York. We beat them 40-something. We didn't have Adrian Peterson. They went on to win a Super Bowl. Like, you, right. you, you go, who beat what and how? Like, come on, man. Not that. All right, so how do you see this one playing out on Sunday? It depends on what Vegas, when Vegas make that call. Who they, you know, how Vegas ain't going to lose the most money. So do you think the Bucks' original Super Bowl that you were a part of and won was illegitimate? I think everyone is. If you don't mind me asking, then, and we, we obviously appreciate giving us a little bit of time, why do an interview for the Super Bowl if you don't y'all believe that it's set up the right way? Y'all, y'all ask me to. Don't nobody call me no other time until Super Bowl come, right? Yeah, I, yeah no, that's true. Yeah. That's did, any, did anybody, when we got on the phone, say, hey, how's your family doing? How are your kids doing? No, that none of that matters. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm going to give you my honest opinion. And I appreciate that. We do. We yeah. do. I mean that's uh, that that is our job though is to talk sports. I mean it's it's not personal. So what is and your it's honest job to be real? <laughs> oh, we understand that. So what is your honest opinion of Tom Brady uh, being in ten Super Bowls? Uh, good luck, lot of luck, you know. Okay. Because you know everybody say Tom Brady, but if I can remember, there's a lot of kickers kicking kicks for him to make it there. Well, Tom Brady did put him in a position to make those. So did kicks. Jim Kelly. So did Jim Kelly, but his kicker missed the kick. He did. He did miss the kick. Right. He did. He did. <laughs> he did miss the kick. Whoa. He lost four Super Bowls in a row. All right, so I'm going to stop that right there because it, it really, get, it honestly, it just continues to get more ridiculous from there. But uh, uh, the part that where he really lost me, and obviously, dude, conspiracy theories. The problem with conspiracy theories is do you realize how many thousands of people it would take to actually pull off this conspiracy? You're talking every player on both sides of that ball have to have to be a part of it. The refs have to be a part of it. The coaches have to be a part of it. We're talking thousands of people. So we're, we're according to Dwight Smith, he's the first person to come forward in 18 years on this conspiracy. I think Dwight Smith had been doing a little bit of drinking before this podcast. Like, what even was that? A little bit of drinking, a little bit of smoking, something. He he must have missed a meeting when John Gruden walked in there and said, Hey, Monty Kiffin, here's the playbook that we ran last year. John Lynch is literally calling out every play as before it happened. One one, one of the best coordinators ever. Uh, Could you imagine... uh, you know, he, he brought up uh, Vin- Vinatieri making some of the most clutch kicks you'll ever see in the NFL history. They're like, hey, by the way, you have to uh, make this in a blizzard from 45 yards out. Okay, cool, because if you miss it, then uh, our whole plan is screwed. Yeah, yeah that we're, was we're, all we're just going to rig this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they, made, they made that weather perfect and icy for and, that kick. And talk about undercutting your entire legacy. The greatest game of Dwight Smith's career, the freaking Super yeah. Bowl in 2003, <laughs> two pick sixes sets a record. In the Super Bowl for that, it's un- it's insane. You just completely cut your legacy out by the knees. It's Honestly, insane. the Marcus's point is is definitely the best, which is that how do you do these these last minute kicks, which so many of these games have been determined by? If it truly was rigged, what if the kicker misses that kick? Right. You know what I'm saying? Like a kicker could easily miss that kick. So what? 
he fucking just they they got the this clutch kicker they throw, and he's they hit. throw a penalty. <laughs> Doesn't throw a penalty on the defense. I guess I guess, I guess so, but Jesus. Yeah, but, but especially you no, know, so many people are invested. Like you know, you're putting your body and brain on the line for some of these guys are that, that's pretty much it. You want you want the title. That's what you're playing for. But, but like you can't pay some of these guys. There would guys be so money. many whistleblowers by now, man. It oh would yeah, be, it would be exposed so quick. There's ex- no it'd, way, it'd man. But he's saying Vegas is lost. the one who's who's pushing it all, right? Like Vegas is the one that's pushing it all. So Vegas is going to take the most money, like. If well, I'm an owner of a team, I'm gonna be like, no shit, I want that fucking thing. I'm gonna, how much do I gotta bid out? Get the other guy. You well, know what I mean? Like, let's talk about some famous uh, conspiracy theories because there's quite a few out there. Obviously, the moon landing being the most famous conspiracy theory pro- possibly of all time uh, that they actually faked the moon landing. Like, so much. It's, it's been literally 50 years for that to still be under wraps and for there not to be any credible source to come forward, it's fucking insane. But I think my personally favorite conspiracy theory is, have you ever heard the conspiracy theory about the Denver airport? Oh yeah, it's supposed to be like Satanist or something like that. No, they got the like, crazy it, horse it, out front. Th- it is pretty interesting. That, um, But yeah, so the, the Denver airport is, there are some really interesting parts about it. Um, Denver already had an airport, and then all of a sudden they commissioned another airport, and it was from a bunch of private investors outside of Denver. If you've ever flown to Denver, it's really far outside of Denver. It's probably like 25 minutes away from the down from downtown Denver, which is kind of bizarre in itself. Um, if you've ever flown to Denver, it's very rocky. It's not a good location for an airport at all. So there's a lot of merits to it. Um, an article was produced a number of years ago that brought up a lot of good points. Uh, there were, was a bunch of art that was displayed in the, um, Denver airport. And a lot of it was related to the apocalypse. Like pretty much every piece of art was related to the apocalypse, including a horse, which was out front of the Denver airport. And if you've ever seen it, um, his name is Blucifer. I believe it is. Yeah. He is a giant black horse and his eyes are fiery red. So this is a fact about this horse. It, it, uh, they think it's one of the horsemen of the apocalypse, according to this, uh, according to this uh, conspiracy theory. But this is a fact about this horse, and this is 100% true. The, the maker of this horse, he, he made it, he designed it, and when they were putting the head on it, he stood under the head, and then the head detached and fell on top of him and killed him. So that, that is a fact. So the 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 if, if you've ever seen the horse outside the Denver airport, it's a really cool sculpture, by the way. But the head actually detached when they were trying to put it on, and the artist that designed it died because of the head. But it's kind of, kind of off topic, just kind of an interesting story. But if if you looked at this actual airport at this time, and by the way, when this article was written, everything in this airport was taken down. So my point is. There was a lot of interesting points that were raised from this conspiracy. It's still so dumb, guys. You're talking thousands of construction workers that are working on this fucking airport. Eventually, someone's going to come forward. And that's the problem with conspiracy theories. And this this is a laughably bad conspiracy theory, in my opinion. And maybe he's just going for the shock value. You just never know, man. Right now, people go for clicks. People try to build followings. I mean, he could just be trying to get a big... A big a click session right before the Super Bowl. For Here's sure. an X 
badass Super Bowl player that set a record in the Super Bowl, and he's saying it's all rigged now. I mean, things will take off from that, and it, well, it's certainly something that he could be a part of being on a podcast. Right I want to hear John Lynch's uh, rebuttal. <laughs> like, yeah. Go ask John Lynch about what is that. Or like, Super like <laughs> think about all the unreliable people that were in that Super Bowl, like unreliable characters. Warren Sapp. You think you think Warren Sapp, Mister Prostitute, isn't going to come forward eventually <laughs> right. and be like, "Hey, I got the story." The story of the century, Mr. Bankrupt, you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, yeah, he, 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 yeah, he That's didn't Mr. he go Mons like Venus. That's he was like it. selling all his shoes off because he was going bankrupt at one point in time. Yeah, you think he wouldn't be like, "This is how the Super Bowl was rigged." Write a book and fucking make millions off of it. Yeah. I'm pretty sure a guy like that would. Yeah, you, you can't point shaving is one thing when it comes to like the NBA stuff, but you know, tech cameras makes everything different. But uh, like, if if all these conspiracies were true and they just were trying to do things, could you? Well, why would Alabama and Clemson keep playing each other year after year after year? Why would LeBron be in the championship? Why, like, yeah, the, nobody the, wants that. Nobody wants that. So if 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 there Wait, was you any mean merit, Alabama's boosters aren't paying the most money to the NCAA. <laughs> like, that, no, they, they can make no, way. they're not. They, 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 yeah, they're, there's different money comes in other places, but Wait. Le, LeBron wouldn't be there every single well, year. And do you think people actually wanted to see the Patriots play the Rams a couple of years ago? Fuck no, they wanted to see okay. Patriots. Uh, Drew Brees. Yeah. They wanted to see that matchup, and it didn't happen. So, yeah, it's it's nonsense. It really is. Um, but while we're in the Rockies, though, there was something else that went down in Colorado. <laughs> it's a Newman segue. Nolan Arenado, one of the best players in all of baseball, was just traded to the St. Louis Cardinals, and the Cardinals paid him $50 million dollars. And what did the Rockies get back? Not a single top 100 prospect. Stafford! <laughs> like, that is an awful baseball trade. Like, there's no re- $50 million. We're going to pay you $50 million to take a top 10 player in baseball off our hands? Speaking Sounds like smart, s- smart decisions. $50 million, I think Patrick Mahomes' contract is annually worth right around there. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Could you imagine that happen, a trade like that happening in football? That's why they don't have really have money like that in football. For Arenado's a stud, but he he wanted out, and and all that money is guaranteed, which is insane. I'm 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 still torn on all the guarantees that comes with sports in general. Well, I'd like give him some incentive, like some, and there has to be some incentive for production. Well, that I mean, that just means that baseball has a better union than football. That's essentially what it comes down to. I mean, the NBA too, like. The, o- the only place that they really don't have the guaranteed contracts like that is football, and it's because the owners have assumed so much power in the negotiation process. Well, baseball is rigged. Everybody wanted to see the Tampa Rays play the Dodgers last year. <laughs> well, we all, we all know the Super Bowl is rigged this year, too. So who do you guys yeah. think it's rigged in favor for? And, no, all jokes and, and, aside, and, what, do you, what do you guys think about the game coming up? I mean, seriously, where, where are the mismatches? What, what are the things that we're looking at? Who's going to have the biggest impacts? Like, yeah, so I, I think that the question marks on the Chiefs offensive line, I was I was all ready to go all in on the Chiefs. I, 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 I thought, I think these are very concerning. If he's truly missing both of his tackles and potentially his center, I think the Chiefs could be really fucked. As good as Mahomes is, if you're missing that many pieces on your offensive line, there isn't a player in NFL history that could overcome that. But a, a detail that is really starting to recently emerge that is really worrying me for the Chiefs is the p- potential weather. Now, we're talking 75% chance as of right now of rain in the Tampa Bay area on Sunday. That, to me, is the biggest factor. Because who, 
who wins in those rainy, sloppy games? The trenches. Who has better trenches? The Bucks. 100%. So I, 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 I to me, I, I said it. I said it in our group chat today. I'll say it again. If it's rainy, I'm going Bucks, and that's the only way that I'm going Bucks win. If it if it's slightly damp and not not rainy, I'm gonna go Chiefs by a slight edge, and I think the Bucks still cover. If it's dry as fuck, I love the Chiefs because I th- I think that they're just gonna air it out. And uh, um, if if those guys you mentioned that are question marks, especially in the secondary, are not there, then I think that could that could potentially be huge. But if it's rainy as fuck, look for JPP Sue. This fucking ridiculous defensive front to just Devin rush White. the shit out of this depleted but, offensive but line, and I'm going to bet the Bucks hard if that happens. But don't don't underestimate also the Bucks on the offensive line side, dude. They have a nasty offensive line. No, that's why. And then Fournette and, the, and Flor, Fournette in the playoffs, dude. He's been a stud out there, man. Having flashes <laughs> of when he came through to the Jags, his hands scare the shit out of me. You know, when he's trying to catch the ball, sometimes he almost dropped the go-ahead touchdown against, I believe it was the Saints. or the I'm sorry, it was the Saints or Packers. I'm, I'm having a mind, mind blank there. But either way, I think the Bucks with the offensive line, it's, we're going to own it over there. Chris Jones is a great D tackle, but I'm, I'm going Bucks all day. Call it bias, whatever you want, but it's written in the stars for Tom Brady, man. He's going to make it happen. So I heard an interesting point made today where they're like, listen, if we're going to take up position by position and pick a, pick a squad from these two teams – how many times are you taking the guy on the Chiefs' side, right? Like five, maybe six? Like you're going to take Mahomes, Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, and then Chris Jones and Teron Matthew maybe? Like where else are you going? Because pretty much on the other side for, for the rest of them. Well, and then you got Kelsey is definitely going to have to stay in and help block on the ends. There's no way that you can just send him out like he's normally used. It's definitely going to have a reduction in his targets to where he's going to have to stay in and either chip or get used similar to like Rob Gronkowski was used in the NFC Championship game. Keeping Tom Brady clean, staying inside. He only had one catch in that game. Granted, it was a big catch. It was a screen up the sideline for, I think, like 20-plus yards. 29. Yeah, it, it was a great play. But what Rob Gronkowski's been hitting on is his blocking ability and how helping keeping Tom Brady clean, and that's exactly what the Chiefs are going to have to do if they're going to have any success against that Bucks defense. The, the thing about the Chiefs that they're going to stay in this game. There's no way it gets away. We've seen the Chiefs fall behind plenty of times before over the last couple of years. They, they have the, fa- the ability to come back really quickly. Most of that is because of their speed is just ridiculous. Tyreek is an absolute freak getting him in space, and they will find a way to do it. If there is one creative mastermind, what do we know about uh, Andy Reid coming off a bye? Andy Reid's record is like incredibly, you know, ridiculous. He's got two weeks to prepare for the Bucks. He's going to find a way to make that offense. It's going to be a game no matter what. It's going to be close. There's no blowout scenario in which the, what the Bucks are going to win this. Bucks are definitely going to win. But here's the only actual stat. I'm just saying by not a blowout. That's going to be a blowout. Here's the only stat you actually need. <laughs> So by f- not even a little bit, it's it's gonna be by uh, five or six years that uh, Bruce Arians is gonna be the oldest head coach to win his first Super Bowl. I think it's sixty eight and something. So basically sixty nine. So obviously we know that the Bucks have to win this, <laughs> um, and 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 it's gonna be beautiful because I'll just label them as sixty nine forever. Um, the the they're a better team all around. Um, the trenches, it, you know, Drew nailed it. That, that's exactly where it's going to go. And Kansas City really has struggled against the run. And, and you know, obviously they're, they're creative as hell. But do not under – no one can underestimate how talented and athletic the entire Bucks defensive linebacking core is. 
Uh, and Devin White has come into his own in the last six, seven weeks. Um, Levante David is just, he's got to be probably one of the most underrated linebackers probably in NFL history. Uh, just so versatile. Um, so that's what they're going to use to help kind of keep Kelsey in check. Um, and truthfully, if I'm Tampa, I'm trying to source uh, some stories about uh, Tyreek Hill beating up women again. So well, to try and t- keep, get him off the field. <laughs> <laughs> well, to quote, to quote Dwight Smith, hey, man, it, 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 player, te- teams have an advantage at home. So why didn't the Bucks win every home game? Why didn't the Bucks win every home game? Including against the Chiefs. They, they, got, they not only got beat, they got fucking demolished. One thing right away, Bowles. Todd Bowles' scheme in that game was completely trash, and he knows it too. Trying to mark Carlton Davis man-to-man with Tyreek Hill is the dumbest thing you could ever do. I was dumb. So how did they mend that? Well, I think they come out with a completely different scheme, similar to what they just did to Devontae Adams. More They're brackets. Obviously going to have to, because they shut Devontae. Adams is not Hill. No, no, no. Very he's, different he's players. Yeah. Dude, but route running ability in and out of cuts, 100%. Just sheer too, speed, you're though. T- yeah, you're, you're still going to have, honestly, David and uh, Devin White are actually going to probably be a little bit more in pass coverage. You're going to have to rely on your other backers and the pressure up front. They're going to be relying heavily on the defensive yeah. line. And, and 100%. So here's, and here's, here's my expectation. With a weak offensive line. <clears throat> here's my expectation in terms of what they're going to try to do to slow down Tyreek Hill. Carlton Davis is probably not going to cover uh, Tyreek Hill very much at all. I expect him to be on the other wide receiver. Let's just eliminate that guy from the from the question, right? Then you you take a you know Antoine Winfield or whoever, um, and you put him in his face, right? Jamel Dean is going to play press man against Tyree Kale if he can, um, and they're going to have a, somebody over top too. So they're going to he's always going going to be double teamed in this game because he's the one who can absolutely change it. The other guys, even if it's Sammy Watkins, who's you know whatever top ten draft pick, Sammy Watkins. The other wide receivers on that team are kind of one-dimensional. They don't have a ton of versatility to them. Um, so, I mean, Hardman can give you a little bit more of what, what Ty- Tyreek is, but I just don't see it. So, Carlton Davis is going to take out the other guy. They're going to make sure that, you know, either Devin Whale or Levante David is also hitting and engaging Travis Kelsey as much as they can 100%. to slow him down. And then they're going to play double coverage on Tyreek. If Tyreek burns you once or twice, whatever, you can live with it, but... Hopefully it doesn't get out of hand. But again, I think they take the same scheme against a weak offensive line like they did against the Green Bay Packers who were missing Bakhtiari at tackle. And again, we saw what they did there. They were staying back. They were rushing four. They had a few blitzes here and there, but those sacks came straight from the front yeah, four. No. All five of those sacks the, the Bucks, were from Shaq the Bucks are, and JPP. Now they're going to give... The are not going to blitz very that's much. That's what I mean. They're going to provide that help for Carlton Davis. They're not going to show true man-to-man like they did. If you watch the film on that game, Carlton Davis was shadowing him from one side to the next. Oh, yeah. That makes it that's easy homework for Patrick Mahomes he's gonna pick you freaking apart when he sees that with that man to man pretty much pretty much with them you just need your four and five you need a lot of five but you're gonna have to mix up the number five and you're gonna have to have someone shadowing uh no matter what your coverage is and not necessarily Mahomes but shattering shattering the zone um whether it's in the cover three buzz or the cover two but um man I I, I really really like Tampa I, I think Godwin Pending the weather is going to have himself a day. I actually kind of really like Gronkowski's first touchdown prop. 
Uh, I think his over under for the day is going to be two and a half catches. Uh, he, he's going to be. He has to get Gronk's. I, I like the over on that. Honestly, I, I don't think that you need to protect use him in protection as much against the Chiefs. I'm not as scared of them in terms of their defensive line. So I expect Gronk, Gronk to be more involved. And if you watch the game, the last time that they played, Gronk actually played pretty well against the Chiefs. So. Yeah, remember that this is still a different Tampa team, man. They they've come on so strong the last couple months. Um, but you know it's funny when you talk about uh, how one dimensional some of these uh, Chiefs receivers are. So it's one of the dumbest things I think I've seen this week, and I've seen some dumb things. Was uh, Darryl, Daniel Jeremiah had his mock draft this uh, for this coming upcoming draft? Uh, Tony out of Florida, not another per- receiver. Kadarius Tony, K- yeah, Kadarius Tony, same same exact receiver. They have six clones of, Jeez. but uh, that's neither here nor there. It's just Made me think of it. Nothing is worse than any website's mock drafts. And with that in mind, check out our mock drafts coming this uh, March. <laughs> uh, we're going to be putting out some bad ones. Um, but anyways, yeah, man, uh, to, to be honest, uh, I, I actually ended our last podcast by saying that the Chiefs were just going to absolutely smother and destroy the Bucks, which all things even – I do think that that's the case. I think that the Chiefs are a vastly superior team. I think Patrick Mahomes is unbeatable in this moment. Look at Patrick Mahomes over his last three years. The guy went to the AFC Championship, lost because of a defensive offsides, straight up. That's why the Chiefs lost that game against the Patriots. Uh, following year, he goes down in every single fucking game in the playoffs and comes back to win every single one of them. That Super Bowl, I watched that Super Bowl with a lot of you guys. Everybody's watching that Super Bowl going, wow, San Francisco's winning this game. Patrick Mahomes made it fucking happen. I so hard for me to bet against Patrick Mahomes, but there are things that are happening that are just it's it's impossible to to not take note of. And that the injuries and the issues that they're having at their offensive line, I think it's gonna fuck the Chiefs. So all of a sudden, I went from the Chiefs are going to blow out the Bucks to to saying like I think I'm going to throw down like 300 bucks on the Bucks in this game because I I really like what I see. see. Well, here's another factor that you haven't considered: who are the only quarterbacks to beat Tom Brady in a Super Bowl? Foles and Eli Manning. Does Patrick Mahomes look or play like either one of those? He does look like kind of a he looks like kind of a dork. But yeah, no great court. Honestly, so here here's a funny thing about. Uh, Brady in his 10 Super Bowls, he's really only played one Hall of Famer. Well, Kurt Warner, right? That's it. Donovan McNabb is borderline. Nope. Donovan McNabb will never be a, a, a Hall of Famer. Ryan may have a chance. No, I, a lot of people think Eli Manning is a Hall of Famer. I personally do not, but that that's just me. If, if I'm a voter, could he get in? I think he could. But my point is, he's played a lot of Jake DeLome's. He's played a lot of, you know, the guys. He hasn't played a lot of great quarterbacks. It's it's, it's bizarre, and it's not his fault. You no, know what I'm saying? Like, it's AFC, not his fault at all. The AFC was stacked for a while. You had, yeah. you know, Roethlisberger and, and Peyton Manning were the other two great quarterbacks in the AFC. So that's who he had to beat in order to get there, which he did most of the time. But who has he beat? Jake DeLome. Jake um, DeLome, Kurt Warner. Kurt Warner. Well, well here, here you go. What, what bad the, quarterbacks. What, what are the six teams that Brady's beaten? The Rams. The Rams, Jared Goff. Yeah, well, see, see, that, 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 that's the question. That's the, the, that, the Rams, the Rams, the Panthers, um, Jake DeLone, the Atlanta Eagles, and Panthers. Yeah, see, but see, that, that's the funny. Um, that's, the, that's the funny trick question. It's it didn't just, beat the Eagles. It's 
It's not that you Brady beat the yeah, Eagles. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm, 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 I'm sorry. Yeah. I thought yeah, you were talking about the full. I thought you were talking about the full. Yeah. See, the, the, the trick question is: it's the St. Louis Rams and the Los Angeles Rams. So that that's that's where the, the trick is. <laughs> oh, but I uh, didn't say I didn't say St. Louis or well, Los what, Angeles. But you I said, said Rams. 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 But, but but that's where the trick is. But uh, you know, it's funny when we talk about like all the races. Um, when it comes to like Super Bowl championships, like growing up, you'd be like, "Oh, who's gonna? What team's gonna be the first of seven Super Bowls?" It's you like, beat it, Seattle too. Well, oh, Russell yeah, Wilson. Russell, but it's it's not yeah, gonna be it's not gonna it's be true. the Steelers. It's, it's not gonna be the good Patriots. Call out. It won't be the 49ers. It won't be the Cowboys. It's gonna be Tom Brady, the first to win seven Super Bowls. How yeah. insane! Let's be yeah. real though. He didn't beat Russell Wilson. No, I was no, gonna say I mean, arguably the, the, the Seahawks. The Seahawks. Yeah, it was rigged because it was rigged themselves. Right? <laughs> no, the Seahawks were looking to make Russell Wilson the face of the franchise, one hundred percent. And they wanted that on film. Him throwing that touchdown. They thought it had in the bag. Yeah, Daryl Bevel. He was in on it. But the, what has won Super Bowls, guys, up in these in the past here? How did Eli Manning really be? I mean, I know we have the freak catch with David Tyree and stuff like that. But re, what really put it on Tom Brady and some of these guys? It's the pass rush. And, again, I know I hate to keep harping on it, but I do think this is the biggest game changer in the entire game. Vegas even changed the spread, if I'm not mistaken. They made some adjustments after that happened when Fisher tore his Achilles. So, it, to me, not, I think between three, the pass – still three. It's three still three that didn't change. Yeah. I thought they had a change that was going to happen. But either way, what I'm getting at is the pass rush has dictated a lot of these Super Bowls. And without having your t- starting tackles and having a scrub offensive line already to start because you've lost so many people to injuries, it's going to be a big effect in the end of the game. And with Brady's efficiency, you can't sleep on the weapons that he has right now. Cameron Brate has come alive in the playoffs, getting mismatches against linebackers one-on-one. you got Gronk. You've got Scotty Miller at the end of the half. that he, If he's one-on-one and Brady sees that with a single safety, he's going to Scotty Miller. He has that confidence. And Scotty Miller has the speed. Don't forget, he He's already trying to race the cheetah. He wants to race Tyreek Hill and thinks he's actually and faster half-time. than him. Yeah. But I'll, I'll could be. But the Bucks with that off- the offensive weapons Feels and Brady small. behind the helm, and not to mention this either, his family actually left, went out of town. This is You can read about this in, he, for 12 days so Brady could just be focused in on watching film. He's by himself right now doing his training Adderall practices and watching taking? film. <laughs> I don't know if that's in the TB12 method, so. <laughs> but God knows what's in that, dude, the way this guy is rejuvenated. Well, Brady and Giselle have been fucked in like 10 years. <laughs> oh, Not since Brady made that special connection with his son. Anyways, <laughs> um, okay. We're off the rails. Does, does, that, does anyone else think that this game could still go under 56 points? Or, obviously, If it know. rains, 100%. Yeah. I, I, it's, Even it, now. If, I'm if, so if, if it's dry, I think it's going to be a fucking shootout. I don't know. I mean, not only talking about the Bucks in the trenches, but with um, Leonard Fournette, but Ronald Jones will be healthy coming back in this game. Yeah. He even played well against the Packers, but he's coming back now with another additional two weeks of rest. Him and Fournette subbing in and out healthy in the way Fournette's been playing as well. And if it's raining and they dominate the trenches and they don't give Patrick Mahomes the ball – Another game changer. And again, I, I, I to your actually, point, Drew, the weathers. I actually do time. think big time. I, I think under fifty six is, is is probably a pretty good six, bet six. in this game. If we look at when the Chiefs have lost this year, uh, shootout the you know the once basically, uh, you know it, very much so the defensive line was controlling what's going on. We've seen a couple bad performances out of the Chiefs' offense where they haven't quite clicked. You're without some of your key offensive linemen. You know you're not going to be able to run the ball. So one one potential matchup that the Chiefs may be able to take advantage of to try to, you know, affect the game is Clyde Edwards-Hilaire or 
Le'Veon Bell in the pass game, right? Those get, those could be guys that, you know, the Bucks have the guys to cover them, but if they're so focused on Kelsey and Hill, that may leave one of those guys open to do some damage in that in that respect. But I can totally see it. It's definitely within the realm of possibility that this game is under 56. And I think if the Bucks are winning, it's a high likelihood. So so here's a fun prop that I ended up losing in the Green Bay game. It's going to be the same one for uh, Bucks chiefs So it's uh, turnover. First turnover is going to be interception, fumble, or no turnover for the whole game. What are the possibilities of no turnovers for the whole day? Zero. Zero percent. Okay. All I see is... Then I'm taking, I'm taking no, I'm, I'm, I'm taking no no turnovers in seven and a half to one. It's a fun prop. I like props. Okay, I'll I'll, I'll put ten dollars on it for you. Okay, so you're giving me seven and a half. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. gonna I'm gonna put twenty five bucks on it. So Brady's coming off a flawless three interception game, so I don't think the Bucks have anything to worry about with a far superior Packer defense. When I associate the Packers, I think of their dominant defense. <laughs> Things to be worried about with Brady did not finish off that Packer game very well, especially with no, Tyron yeah. Matthew in the secondary. He's a ball hawk. You got to give him one hundred percent. You know why? Because Honey Badger don't give a shit. Don't give a fuck. <laughs> All right, guys, let's wind this down. That's flight to Tunisia. Uh, any closing thoughts? Super Bowl Sunday, baby. I think it can be confirmed that the Tampa Bay Rays definitely won the Chris Archer trade. Yes. Welcome back, Chris. <laughs> Welcome back to the fucking empire. <laughs> Title town, baby. All I can Tampa. say is go Bucks. Fire them cannons. Let's get ready hey, for the Super Bowl. Hey, hey, Fire them think, cannons. Do you think hockey wanted the, the, the Lightning versus Dallas Stars as the, the Stanley Cup? Yeah. Dwight Smith? I'm sure they did. <laughs> Biggest hockey markets in all of sports. No city need, deserve Title Town less than Tampa Bay. Yeah. Boo you. Boo that For man. real. I, honestly, the Lightning are great fans. Bill Bolts. Everybody else sucks. Oh, my God. Their team is literally getting kicked out of baseball. <laughs> <laughs> my closing thought for today is that, for the love of God, Alabama, could you please give us back college football? Uh, Alabama is looking to wrap up the greatest recruiting class of all time. No, no, no. It's confirmed. Yes. Uh, it's the greatest recruiting class of all time that's coming out. Possibly the greatest Alabama team of all time. Um, Alabama, you pieces of shit. Release your stranglehold on the game so that I can find college football enjoyable again because you have made it not enjoyable. It's almost like a user player. It's like a 13-year-old kid is playing with Alabama on rookie fucking level and he's just running the table and fucking just taking out everybody. It's, it's not even a competition it, anymore. Is he playing the new NCAA football game? I was yes. say, well, if you're hating it, you can just create a team and create a player, put them all on 100 and whoop Alabama. That's what it's, dude, that's what this 13-year-old kid is doing. And I would argue that maybe God is a 13-year-old kid doing this. All right, guys, everybody from the Sports Memory Podcast, have a great day.